live. Uh, we're starting a series on worship. And I have to tell you, this is, this is like trying to ca- encapsulate this theme in four weeks, five weeks, culminating in Thanksgiving. It's just, uh, I don't know how to do this. Uh, I think we could probably teach from now until this time next year on worship. <laughs> and so who knows, we might do that, <laughs> you know. But um, I wanted to read this to you that I, wanna, I want you to uh, hear this song. And I want you just to breathe it in, all right? So someone said, Scripture views the glorifying of God as a six-fold activity, praising God for all that He is and all His achievements, thanking Him for His gifts and His goodness to us, asking Him to meet our own, uh, our own and others' needs, offering Him our gifts, our service, and ourselves, learning of Him from His Word, read and preached, and obeying His voice. Telling others of his worth, both by public confession and testimony to what he has done for us. Thus, we might say that the basic formula for worship are these. This is good. Lord, you are wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Please, Lord. Take this, Lord. Yes, Lord. And listen, everybody. Okay? Listen to this song and let it just minister to your uh, to your spirit. Away, away from the noise. Alone with you. Away, away to hear your voice. with you nothing else matters my one desire is to worship you I live to worship you Hear your voice. 
been a while, but hear my heart cry again to worship you. Just say, oh, 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 oh,
Amen. Amen. Uh, that CD is entitled uh, uh, Alive in South Africa by Israel Houghton. Uh, it's, a, it's a worthy one. It's a worthy one. Um, worship is not just the songs that we sing on Sunday or Wednesday night or maybe in your light group. It's not the amount that you place in the offering. It's not your service in the children's ministry or as an usher. Uh, those are expressions of worship, but they don't define what true worship really is. Um, there are lots of definitions that we could come up with, and we have a couple that we'll go over today. Um, uh, one in particular emphasizes the priority of worship and uh, the priority in our lives as a spiritual discipline. And uh, this is from Webster's Dictionary in 1828. And it says, worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. Extravagant love and extreme submission. True worship is defined by, I guess you could say, in other words, the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is on our list of priorities. Who God is in our lives, and where God is on our list of priorities. True worship is a matter of the heart that's expressed through a lifestyle of holiness. It's a matter of the heart that's expressed through a lifestyle of holiness. We'll look at a couple of definitions. Um, the English word, uh, the old English word, comes from um, two words, worth and ship, which means something like shape or quality, worth and ship. Uh, so worship is the quality of having worth or being uh, worthy. When, we're worship, when we worship, we're saying that God is worth, that he is worthy of our praise and our adoration. There's a couple of biblical words that you might be familiar with, both in the Hebrew and the Greek. There are two major words for this kind of worship that we're talking about. The first kind means to bow down or to kneel and to put one's face down as an act of reverence and humble submission, as an act of respect. Um, uh, in a sense, uh, through our body language, we're saying, I will do whatever you want me to do. I'm ready to listen to your instructions, and I'm well, willing and ready to obey whatever you say. Okay, so that's one type. Another word that we see a lot of times has to do with service. Worship is often defined in the Bible as service. Half of the time, these, these words are translated as worship, and the other half as service. And it carries the idea, service does, of doing something for God, making a sacrifice, or carrying out the instructions that God has given us. And so, three kinds of worship in general. And again, this is such a big, big topic, but... We'll summarize it by saying this, worship that involves speaking, there is a worship in the Bible that involves listening, and there is a worship in the Bible that involves doing. Everybody say, speaking, listening, and doing. Ah. There is a, a worship that expresses the, expresses the heart. There's a worship that involves the mind. Uh, uh, there's a worship that involves the body. Uh, there's a worship that is a giving praise upward, a worship that is receiving instructions from above, and a worship that carries out those instructions in the world around us. 
And we need all three types of worship. We need to be balanced in our worship. Some people focus primarily on speaking or singing praise to God. Praise is good. Amen? But if all we do is praise without ever listening to what he says, we have to ask ourselves if we really believe the words we're saying. I've been caught in that. There are times where we will sing a song and and the words of the song, they just strike me. And I'm like, Lord, this is not an easy song to sing. I mean, I'm just going through, I'm singing it, and I'm like, I'm struck with the gravity of those words. Okay, Matthew 25, 15, Jesus speaking to the religious leaders in a little bit of a different context than what we're talking about, but the point is still made. He says to them, hypocrites, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. That's what he said to them. You're saying all the right things but your heart isn't there. And he said, you worship me in vain, teaching his doctrines, the commandments of men. So if he really is all wise, if God really is all loving, then we need to be attentive to what he's telling us because he is worth listening to and obeying. Now, you could almost say, and almost, one could almost say that when it comes to worship, our actions speak louder than our words. You, you could almost say that. Not to discount the words, but when it comes to worship, you could almost say that our actions speak louder than our words. If this is your primary mode of worship on Sunday, you could almost say that our life outside of Sunday speaks louder than our Sunday attendance. You, you, could, you could almost say that. Okay, um, don't want to be dogmatic in that, but I think that's, uh, I think that's a kind of a real solid point. So if our behavior isn't changed by God, then our actions are saying that he's not relevant to our lives on a daily basis. If our behavior isn't changed by God, what are we saying of his worthiness? Thank you, dear sister. I appreciate that. May you receive your reward on earth and in heaven. Oh, cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Did anybody need some? No good? You want some? Come on up and get it. Come on up. Uh-huh, that's my son. Uh-huh. Yeah, I want to. Okay, come on. Come on, big guy. All right. Um, <clears throat> so why do we worship? <sighs> why do we worship? Why do we worship? Can I get just a quick question answer? This is where you participate. What is your, what's the best explanation for why people worship all over the world? What do you think? Gratefulness? Okay, why else? We're made to do that. Yes, ma'am. Magnify the glory of God. What else? The, the what? The need. The need, yeah. God desires it. What? Yeah. Is your hand up, young man? Yes, sir. Helpful. It is helpful to worship. Yep. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Stand up, sir. Go ahead. 
all the things that He's done for you. Why do people worship all over the world, almost every culture, whether it's the, the, the high-rise building or whether it's in the depths of the jungle? Why do people worship? Why do people worship? Those are all good answers. What would you say? To love God back. Okay. Um, people all over the world worship. They don't all worship the one true God, though, do they? They worship nature. They worship their ancestors. They worship um, uh, money. Maybe they worship religious systems. They worship status. They, they worship themselves. Um, so... Harold Best, in his book, Unceasing Worship, Biblical Perspectives on Worship and the Arts, says this, God's nature is unceasing, outpouring um, uh, in love and communion and adoration. In the, in the nature of God, he pours himself out within the confines of himself. We believe in one God who exists in community, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and He is unceasingly, constantly pouring Himself out within Himself, doesn't have any other needs outside of that. And so, because that's God's nature and we are created in the image of God, we too are unceasing worshipers. We're constantly and unceasingly pouring out. And it doesn't matter what culture you go to, people are pouring themselves out in worship of something. It's true. Travel the world and you see it. So we worship because that's pre-programmed in us, living to the glory of something or the glory of someone, even of ourselves. All of us do it. Worship is the continual outpouring of all that I am, all that I do, and all that I will ever be. So, to be made in the image of God, which human beings alone have that distinction. To be made in the image of God is to be unceasing, uh, uh, constantly pouring out just like God is. That's the first reason. It's programmed into our DNA, no matter who you are or where you are. Secondly, the Bible says that people intuitively, intuitively know that there is a God because we are made in His image, the image of God, the imago Dei. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Romans 1, 12 says this, Although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave Thanks to him, Romans one twenty one. John Calvin, the reformer, referred to this knowledge as the sensus divinitas. And as, in other words, the sense of divinity. So, we are made in his image. Therefore, we have something within us that will cause us to worship. But there's also something within us that causes us to know that there is one true God. Okay? Thirdly, we worship because of who God is. Because God is God, period. In the Christian context, we worship because God is God. It's appropriate to thank God for all that he's done for us. But true worship is shallow if it's only an acknowledgement of God's wealth. Psalm chapter 96, verse 5 and 6 says, For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. 
In other words, our worship must be toward the one who is worthy simply because of who he is. For nothing that he's done, that's a part of it, but, but a big part of our worship is God We worship you solely for who you are. You're the omnipotent one. You're all powerful. You're the omnipresent one. You're all over the place. You're the omniscient one. You're the one who knows all things. You created everything, the the trillions and and the infinite number of stars. You spoke them into existence. You call them out. You know them all. You know there's nothing you don't know. The number of hairs on our head, our number, your, our, uh, you know the number. The, the thoughts that you have towards us are, are, are like the grains of sand on the seashore. So we worship Him simply for who He is. Simply for who He is. We must focus our worship on the worthiness of God and not his wealthiness. Someone said, I like that. God, you're worthy. You're worthy. And by, you know, we had a wonderful time of Thanksgiving here where you guys were sharing what you were thankful for. We could have gone on with that, huh? Because when you start saying what you're thankful for, boy, you, could just, there's, you just keep going on and on and on. There's great power in, in, thankf- in Thanksgiving and being thankful. Yeah, so we worship God because of who he is and because of what he's done. We worship God because he has chosen us. Worship is a response to God. We would not know God's worth or declare it unless God revealed himself to us first. Okay, so think about that. For us to worship God, we must first know him. And for us to know him, he had to reveal himself to us. Okay? God initiates worship by revealing himself. Then we respond. The more we grasp his greatness, his power, his love, his character, the more we understand his worthiness, the better we can declare it, the better we can worship. Our extravagant love and extreme submission to the Holy One flows out of the reality that God loved us first. And this is a purpose to which we were called. Do you know that part of the reason why God called you? There are many reasons he called you. One of which was so you would worship him. That Christian is your job description. You are to be a worshiper. That's part of the deal. Okay? You've been called to that. 1 Peter 2.9 says this. You. Can we read this together? Okay, ready? Go. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, holy nation, a people belonging to God. The praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Guess who that is? When they say you, who are they talking about? They're talking about you. Look at the person next to you and say, I think he's talking about you right now. That's, that's, he's talking about you. I know. <laughs> you are a, you are a chosen people. Now this was originally meant for Israel, but Israel kind of thought, "Hey, we're pretty special. We're the seed of Abraham. Who who seed are you?" I'm like, what? And 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 they were to be a blessing to the world and didn't quite work out and so it kind of became one family, then it kind of became Jesus and through all the world be blessed through him. 
You are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. For what purpose? Why did God do that? There it is. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his. You were chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You belong to God for a purpose that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness, that you might worship him that you might worship Him. We're all called to the purpose of praising God, worshiping God. That's our job, to proclaim His worthiness, in particular to others. Okay, so real quickly, I want to shift gears, and, and we're going to look at a little story. Um, the place of first mention. You know, when you're studying something in the Bible, it's a good um, uh, hermeneutics to go to the first place it's mentioned. And then say, okay, what does it say the very first place? So let me ask this question. Before you peek, good, the scripture isn't up. Before, what's the first place worship is mentioned in the Bible? What do you think? Just guess. Genesis. Oh, you guys are sharp. I guarantee you second service won't say that. Anyway, don't tell them I said that. Um, but okay, where in Genesis? Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. Hmm. Okay, where else? First place worship's mentioned. Abraham, go up to the mountain. Yes, sir. Moses. Worship, that's a good one. Exodus, what else? Any other guesses? First place of worship. Which brothers? Cain and Abel. Okay. You don't have to read the Bible very far. You come across worship. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. Even before the command to be fruitful and multiply, because worship is not just worship in the context that we think, but it's serving God. And the very first job, I'm so bothered by people that say that, you know what, was the oldest profession. And I'm like, it is not the oldest profession. Working in the garden is the oldest profession. It's the first profession. Farming. Farming. God, crying out loud. Anytime you hear that, just go to Genesis. Say, you know what, that's not true, actually. Genesis 2.15, the first place of worship is Adam going into the garden and cultivating it. And there were no weeds there. Somebody say amen. No crab grass. And worst of all, no squash bugs. But that's another story. Genesis chapter 4 tells us that Cain and Abel brought an offering to the Lord. The very first kids. Cain and Abel, very first brothers, they brought an offering before the Lord. We aren't told why, we just told that they did. We're told that they did. It was an act of worship. Now let's look at it together. We're going to glean a few things from it and we'll be done. All right, turn to your Bibles if you don't, uh, if you like to Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. It says, now Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, 
and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Okay, just a couple quick things on the offerings. Cain's offering was from the fruit of the ground. Now, the Bible nowhere tells us that God wasn't accepting of his offering because it was from the ground. In fact, in the book of Leviticus, there are all sorts of offerings that come from the ground. So it wasn't necessarily the type of offering, but as we read a little bit further in Hebrews, and we'll get to it, it was a lack of faith in which he brought his offering. You could probably say that Cain brought his offering as a religious duty. Remember what was spoken of earlier when we had our communion uh, where Jackie said that we just felt like we wanted to do something different and not so religiously? I thought, oh, that's perfect. She does not know that we're going to be talking about that exact thing. Okay, So a lack of faith, a religious duty. But what we do know about Cain is that his heart wasn't right as he let his anger get the best of him so much so that he would kill his own brother over it all right Whew. all right now abel's offering was the first everybody say first the first of his flock the fat portions and i know we hear that and we go that's gross. I know that sometimes if you want a real good steak, you cut off that fat. But also know that that fat is what? Flavor. And it makes it tender too. Some people like to eat that fat portion. Well, okay, the, the, the fat portion was the part that was brought with the offering. It was not the treasured part, but it was considered the best part. As that offering was roasted on the fire, it would be a soothing offering to the Lord. And so the fat portion was the best portion, Leviticus 17, 6, and a soothing aroma. Hebrews 11 tells this, verse 4, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. And so his offering was offered in faith, whereas his brother's was not. Now, here's a few things to kind of wrap this up. Um, what does that teach us about worship? Understanding at least the very, very beginnings of our understanding and our talk about worship and that worship is beyond just music and songs, that worship is all-encompassing. It's all that I am. It's all that I do. It's all that I will ever be in Christ. Worship encompasses every part of my life. It's my service. It's my work. It's my ministry. It's the way I treat my family members, I am 
glorifying God in everything I do or not because I'm separating worship from everything else. I'm saying worship happens on Sunday. Oh, I'm saying worship happens when the, when the worship team is singing a song and I sing with them. Oh, I'm worshiping only when my favorite song comes on. No, I'm worshiping in a 24-7 continuum. That is New Testament worship. Jesus said you'll worship me in spirit and in truth. And it won't be in this place or that place. It won't be at this time or that time or this season or the other season. It'll, a time is coming when people will worship me in spirit and truth. And it ain't going to matter where they are or what they're doing or what they're, whether they're in the temple, whether they're in their tabernacle, whether they're in the sanctuary, whether they're not. And we have kind of bought back into the old religiosity somehow that worship happens on Sunday. We even call it a worship service. What is that? We say that we go to church instead of saying we're going to the gathering of the church. We don't go to church. We are the church. And wherever two or more agreed together in his name, there's where the church is. The church is not brick and mortar and lights and carpet and seats. It's not, it's not that. It's you, living stones, jointly fit together. See, we, 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 ha we, we, we do this sometimes. Anyway, that's another time. All right, worship, worship, worship. So, okay, this teaches us, in conclusion, that God's greater concern is the condition of our heart than the substance of our offering. God's greater concern is the condition of our heart rather than the substance of our offering. See, the, the widow's might, as we call it, she gave the little bit that she had a penny or two. And it got the attention of Jesus. So much so it's written in the eternal book of life because she gave It wasn't about the substance, because she really didn't give all that much, but it was about the heart behind what she gave. Ah, okay, we get that. 1 Samuel 15, 22, Samuel says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to listen than the fat of rams. There's that terminology, the best part of that sacrifice. To listen to God is better than the best part of the offering. Okay, all right, we get that. So God's greater concern is for the condition of our heart versus the substance of our, of our offering. Um, secondly, bring your best worship to God. Now, how do we define worship? It's everything, right? So bring your best of everything. Abel brought the first of his flock, and he brought the fat portion. He brought the best. Now, we don't know that Cain didn't. It's just that his heart wasn't right, okay? So bring your best worship to God. Not your best voice, because if you couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, God's not concerned about that. Now, we might be if it disrupts our worship, but God's not concerned about that because you sing to an audience of one. And it doesn't matter if you're in tune, out of tune, or can't carry a tune. It doesn't matter because God's looking way past that, right? Okay, so bring your best. Thirdly, our worship mixed with faith is acceptable to God. Our worship 
mixed with faith is acceptable to God. Abel's offering was offered by faith. Abel's offering was offered by faith. Okay, we've worshipped here this morning. We've, we've, we've sung some beautiful songs. We've gathered in communion together. Uh, we've worshipped. But please, please don't think that when you walk out that door, your worship ceases. Please don't think that. Please don't think when you sit at home today and you watch your favorite football team, your worship ceases. Okay, I probably shouldn't use that analogy. <laughs> he needs to stop worshiping them Broncos. That's what I think. Anyway, I don't know. But you understand, it's everything we do. It's everywhere we go. We worship the Lord in everything. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. We're all learning. We're all trying to figure it out. You know, so we're going to continue to speak on this subject. It is like drinking from a fire hydrant. <laughs> There's so much to speak of. Let's all stand and close in prayer. Our prayer team will make their way up. And if you need prayer for anything this morning, we want to be willing to pray with you. All right. And um, so, Father, thank you for just a wonderful day together as family. Uh, we feel like... Um, You've educated us in your word. Now may we take it and apply it. May we mix it with faith and may we apply it. And may we live to worship you this day by your grace and by your strength. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Bless you guys.